Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 175. Today is February 26, 2016. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. In today's episode, we're going to take a break from talking about the markets. I will come back over the weekend to give you a, a weekly update and wrap up where I think the market is and where it's headed. I did put a blog post over at investablewealth.com yesterday where I commented that we appear to be hovering around that 1950 baseline that I've talked about. As long as we stay above 1850, we're out of the range of a bear market. So I will come back in the next episode with a full market analysis. Before we get started, let's take care of a couple housekeeping announcements. I have my travel plans firmed up, and so I have dates for the Wellsteady meetups that we'll be doing in March up in Seattle and in Portland. So the dates for those meetups will be Portland on March 8th, that's a Tuesday evening, and for Seattle, that'll be Friday evening, March 11th. Now those of you that have already contacted me, I'll get a group email out to you with the exact location. I haven't determined that yet. If you want to offer me some suggestions, that's fine. If you haven't contacted me yet and you do want to get together for one of those meetups, please go ahead and get in contact with me through wellsteading.com. Nothing formal. We just meet in the hotel bar or a nearby restaurant. Uh, and again, a fact, if you're in that area, you want to suggest something, go ahead and let me know. This is just an opportunity for me to meet with you guys, answer your questions, and for all of us as a community just to get to know one another. I'll be making this particular trip with my youngest son. He's a freshman in college. He's paying for his own tuition, his own books, his room and board, all that kind of stuff. He's suffering through the abuse and pain of not having a car while he's in college. So for those of you that are working on the first part of the well-setting equation of saving and earning... Well, you might want to talk to him. He can definitely commiserate with you, and I'm sure he'll tell you what a cheap and abusive father he has. In any case, look forward to seeing you guys. That's Tuesday, March 8th, 2016 in Portland, and Friday, March 11th in Seattle. What I really want to talk about in today's episode, and I want, I want to drive this point home and hammer it to you, and that's you need to be very cautious about investment ripoffs. Now, oftentimes people think that it's only the elderly that get taken advantage of and get ripped off. And statistically, that might be the case, but that's only because con men pry on the older people, not because they think older people have less of their mental capacity or capabilities or that they think older people are, are dumb or not aware of technology. It's just that older people tend to have the money. And so just like Jesse James robbed the banks because that's where the money is, well, con men and ripoff artists go after old people because that's who has the money. But what you have to realize is regardless of your age, if you have some disposable income, you could be the target of a ripoff investment scheme. Now, I'm not going to run down a particular list or tell you the top 10 ripoffs that are common or going on right now because really they never change. If you look at what's going on now and you look at what happened 20 years ago, there's a common thread throughout everything. Now, con artists obviously use the internet more than they did before and technology and things like that. But the investment stories that they're pitching people, they haven't changed very much over the years. It's always about certain types of collectibles or this new technology or this company that's emerging that has a cure for cancer or it's going to turn water into gasoline. Some mumbo jumbo like that. These things are prevalent. They're out there. What you'll tend to find is that the more money you have, the more pitches will be made to you because you're in a database somewhere and salespeople know that, you have a, that you're a person of wealth or a person of means, that you have disposable income. And so they're, they're going to target you appropriately. 
if they think that you're less sophisticated and probably don't have a lot of money, they'll target you with some low-end approaches. If you're very wealthy, then they're going to obviously come to you with a much more sophisticated pitch, but it's still a scheme one way or the other. So if you're a target of fraud, it's likely that you'll be contacted either on the phone or through an email or even through a, a direct face-to-face -face meeting with someone that will be pitching you on maybe buying an oil or a gas well in North Dakota, you know, investing in that or, again, investing in some type of technology that's going to cure cancer or that you can add to water and it increases your gas mileage or perhaps it's farmland in Nebraska, or some type of tax avoidance scheme with a bank account in the Cayman Islands. I mean, there's just a variety of things, and, and I can't go into all the ones that I hear about, but I'll tell you a story that will illustrate a point of how easy it is to get sucked into something like this. Let me tell you a story about a man that's retired. He isn't wealthy, but he has a good pension. He has a lot of money saved up. If you met him on the street, you would think that he was intelligent, that he was the kind of guy that was in charge. He's not a dummy. He's a smart guy. He's the kind of man that represents himself very well and that people would look up to. So this man, let's call him Fred. Fred is unhappy with his investment portfolio. He is an investment advisor that's losing him money. When he looks to put his money into something safe, like a bank account or certificates of deposit or treasuries, he just doesn't see any yield or any return for his money. He's unhappy with his financial advisor. He thinks, you know, Wall Street's a bunch of crooks. And so that's kind of the mental attitude he has. And then one day he gets a call, and the guy on the other end of the phone is a con man, but Fred doesn't know this. And the guy starts pitching Fred this story about this rare, collectible, numismatic coin that he has. Now, Fred sort of likes the story, but he's not investing anything, so he, he doesn't feel that he can get ripped off. And he'll talk to the guy. Maybe the guy will call him back several times in a week. He'll get some emails. The man will send him some promotional brochures, some you know nice glossy pictures or something in the mail. And this relationship continues. And then one day, Fred gets a call from this salesman, and he makes him an offer that he just can't refuse. He tells him, Fred, I've got this coin, and I know you've been skeptical, but this is of rare quality. It's in high demand. It's worth at least $1,500. I can sell it to you for just $1,000. And what I'm going to do, since you're such a good client of mine, such a good customer, I'm just going to mail you the coin, and you take a look at it. Keep it for 30 days. If you don't like it, just return it to me. If you keep it for longer than 30 days, you, you just send me the check for $1,000. Fred figures, hey, he doesn't have anything to lose. He was kind of interested to see what one of these coins looked like anyways, and so he takes the bait. But here's where the plot thickens, and, and here's how really good these con men are and how they lure people in. You have to remember, they call them con men for a reason. That con stands for confidence. They build confidence in people. They're preying on people's fears and on people's greed. And so in our story about Fred, these con men started to build a relationship with him and overcome and break down any fear or apprehension he had. Once he became comfortable with them, then they didn't have to worry about the fear anymore, and they could start working on his greed. And so now that Fred has agreed to receive this coin, they're really going to work on Fred, and they're going to ratchet up the greed. And so what happens, before that coin ever even arrives at Fred's house, maybe it's the morning of the day that it's supposed to get delivered, Fred receives a call from his coin salesman. And the guy tells him, Fred, I've got great news. That coin that I'm going to sell you for $1,000, well, guess what? I just got a bid on that coin for $2,000. Now, that coin is going to arrive to you sometime by 4 o'clock this afternoon. 
and I'm not going to go back on my previous agreement. Just like I told you, you can keep it for 30 days. If you want to, you can buy it at that point for $1,000. But Fred, I want you to know, I have someone that desperately wants that coin. They're willing to buy it for $2,000. And so, Fred, here's what I'm going to propose to you. As soon as you get that coin, why don't you mail it back to me? I'll sell it to this other guy for $2,000, and then I'll split the difference with you. Even though that you never gave me the $1,000 to begin with, when I sell this for $2,000, I'll send you a check for $500, and I'll keep the other $500 as my commission. Well, Fred's thinking this is his lucky day. You know, he never has this kind of luck with his stockbroker or with his financial advisor or with a guy down at the bank. You know, Wall Street's always ripping him off. This coin salesman obviously knows what he's doing. He knows how to make money. I mean, Fred is going to make $500 without ever putting up any money at risk at all. He's all over this. And so as soon as the coin comes in, he opens it up, he looks at it, he puts it back in the box, and he sends it right back to the salesman. Now, at that point, a few days later, he gets a call from the salesman again, and either the check is in the mail and Fred has it, and he's happy, and he's cashed it, and he's made $500, and his greed meter is way pegged. He's telling all his friends about it. He's bragging to his wife. Either that happens, or he gets a call from the salesman where the salesman says, Hey, Fred, I, I have the $500. I'm ready to send it to you, but I have this other coin that you just have to see. Now, they'll do it either way. Sometimes they'll risk sending out the $500 to Fred because they've already got time and effort into this, and that's really what puts the big capital C in con men. Fred is going to believe them. He's going to think they're reputable if he gets that $500 check and he cashes it and it's good spendable money. But in either case, Fred has taken this hook, line, and sinker. So now that Fred's a believer, he gets a call from a salesman with this other great opportunity for this coin that just costs $2,000, and they're sure that the value is $2,500 or $4,000. And, and just like the last one, why they wouldn't be surprised if they could get it sold before Fred even bought it. And of course, what does Fred do? Well, now his fear is all gone. He's not apprehensive anymore. He's trusting in these con men. He writes them a check for $2,000 and puts it in the mail. But this time around, the coin doesn't show up. This time, maybe they tell him, hey, Fred, we do have this other buyer, so we're going to hold on to it. Is that okay? We're going to hold on to your money. We think we can close this deal, and we're going to sell this coin for $3,700. And this time, we're not even going to take a commission or split the profit. Because you sent the money, we're just going to give you 100% of whatever profit we can make on this coin. So Fred's all in for that. And maybe he even gets another call that says, Fred, we found this other coin. It's, it's even better than the last one you bought. Just send us a check for $4,000. You see how this is going, right? It snowballs. Once they got Fred sending the money, they're going to start pitching him everything they can because this is a scheme and they know that they need to act quickly while they have access to his bank account or his wallet. And so whether Fred just sends him that initial $2,000 or maybe they con him a few more times and he ends up sending them up to $10,000, whatever that is, they stop calling him. He calls them and leaves them messages. They don't return his call or perhaps the number he calls is now disconnected. You know, they've moved on to some other sucker. And Fred is out, say, you know, two to $10,000. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. That, this is how bold and how shameless these con men are. Maybe after a few days or maybe even a few weeks that, that Fred's been steaming about this, he'll get a phone call from another guy. Maybe this will be the guy that supposedly bought that first coin from him for $2,000.
And he'll ask Fred, he'll say, hey, Fred, I'm looking for that ripoff salesman that I bought that coin from. Well, I got the first coin, but I, you know, he ripped me off on the second one. And, Fr and him and Fred will commiserate together. And just like happened with the first con man, this second con man will overcome Fred's fears and his inhibitions. He'll build confidence with Fred and he'll be setting Fred up for the next scheme. Maybe he'll try and sell Fred a coin, or maybe he'll call Fred back and say, hey, I found this other guy. He's reputable. You can really trust him. Or this is even a better twist of the scam, and it makes me laugh just to think about it, but it's really shameful because people do fall for this. This is what's likely to happen. This other supposed customer that got ripped off that Fred now has confidence in, he'll call Fred up and he'll say, hey, I found this great attorney, or I found this private investigator and he's helping me get my money back from those SOBs that ripped me off. And of course, Fred will say, well, what's his name? I want to work with him too. And so this guy will hand Fred off to that handler. And so this next con man will start building a relationship with Fred. And, you know, guess what? For only $2,000 or $1,500 or $5,000, if he sends that money to this attorney or this private investigator, well, that will act as a retainer fee. And this agency will help Fred not only get his money back, but there's going to be this class action lawsuit, and right? Yada, 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 all this kind of stuff. And they end up ripping Fred off for another two to $10,000. And this will continue and the schemes will escalate and Fred will find himself on some con man scheme calling list until they bled him for every penny that he's stupid enough to give up to them. Now you're going to say, hey, John, that's a funny story, and I'd never fall for that. And Fred's obviously really dumb. Maybe he's, he's old and he's getting dementia. But people fall for these kind of schemes all the time. Now, in Fred's example, it was a collectible coin. But in your example, it'll be something different. It might be stamps. It might be artwork. It might be muscle cars from the 1960s. It could be oil or gas wells or leases. It could be some kind of solar energy scam. It could be investing in some phony or fraudulent penny stock. Or maybe it's just somebody that has this great algorithm. I hear this one all the time. There's always some guy that's going to come to you and he has some type of predictive software and he's getting astronomical returns. Maybe he's investing in the Forex market. Maybe it's commodities. It could just be common stocks or exchange-traded funds or whatever, but he's got this secret proprietary program, and it never fails. You know, it's something that he's just developed in the last three months or so, so a lot of people don't know about it, but he's getting like 50 to 80% returns on, a say, a weekly basis. Well, this is too good to pass up, right? You have to invest in it. I hear this all the time. It's a little private investment group, or maybe not. Maybe it's a big LLC that's been put together, and for whatever reason, they've selected you to be part of it, and it's only going to cost you, you know, whatever the number is, $1,000, maybe $250,000. But listen, this program just can't fail. And just like happened with Fred, oh yeah, those first couple times, you're going to get really big returns. You're going to get a check in the mail. Maybe your account balance will go up. But that's how they lure you in. That's how they rip you off. I mean, ask yourself this question, whether it's a gold coin or a stamp or artwork or a cornfield in Nebraska, you know, whatever it is that's supposedly so valuable and spinning off all this money, if it's such a good deal, why are they selling it to you? If it's so fail-safe and if it's spinning off so much cash, why are they pulling you into it? I mean, they'll often tell you, hey, we're just trying to get this off the ground and so we need some initial investors. And so we're just bringing in some close friends or, you know, we're extending this a little bit out beyond our close friendship and that's why we're pulling you in. 
But think about it. If that can really produce 20 or 50 or 80% returns, why do they need your money? Why bring you in? In just a month or six weeks or something, that 25% that they're generating off their own money would well in exceed anything they're going to get out of you. And then from that point on, if they don't bring you in, it's all icing on the cake to them. So why would they share this? Why would they open this up to you if it's really that good of a program? Well, probably because it isn't. Now, I'm not saying that you can't trust anyone. I'm not saying that everybody's a con man and that everybody's going to try and rip you off. But I am telling you that you need to be cautious, that you need to be skeptical, and you need to be a cynic. Make sure you know what you're getting into. And although not everybody you meet is going to try and rip you off, I will tell you this. Someone is always trying to take your cash away from you. Whether it's the car salesman or the real estate agent or Nordstrom's or Walmart or Sam's Club or Costco, wherever it is, the way the market works is that people take money out of your pocket and put it into theirs. And that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you're getting the value that you want and expect for the dollars that you're shelling out for it. So just be cautious. Don't be like Fred. Don't fall for some stupid investment scam. And so that'll wrap it up for this episode. Until the next time, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.